First thing in the morning, uh, just a few days ago, I plugged in my Kindle e-reader. I usually read it at night, and this morning I remembered to charge it up. This was uh, a week or so ago, before the battery had drained fully, before I got that blinking exclamation point in the battery there, you know. Uh, and I plugged it in, and I made sure the little light came on, and it seemed like it was charging, and left it there all day. And so before bed that night, I go to get my Kindle so I can read a little bit and unwind and think about some things and unplug it. And there's that blinking exclamation point battery. It was drained, completely drained, just sitting there all day, allegedly being charged. So I switched to power brick, you know, plugged it in, the same cord and a different power brick and left it for 10 minutes while I was getting ready for bed, thinking, oh, maybe it'd be charged enough. And nope, still no charge. 10 minutes later, no charge at all. As we come to our next psalm in our summer series looking at the psalms, we're in Psalm 32. And I want to encourage you to think about what drains your batteries and what you're connecting to to recharge those batteries, not your phone or your Kindle or whatever, but your soul, your life. What is it that, that drains you and what is it that can recharge you? Because Psalm 32 is aimed at those very things. And we're actually going to take two weeks to unpack this psalm, Lord willing, looking first of all at just what drains us like the heat of summer. Providentially, a very good illustration today. But as we look at this psalm to figure out what drains us, what can recharge us. With my Kindle, the, the problem was actually the cord. The, the, the wall outlet was fine. The power brick was fine. It was the cord that I kept trying to use. It seemed to be charging. It even did enough to make the little light light up on the device, but did not provide lasting energy for my device. And so I wonder, what are those things in my life, in your life, that are like that unreliable cord? And what are the things going on in the background of our lives, like those ads on my Kindle that just drain the battery, even if I'm not using it? So read with me, if you would, as we consider those questions, Psalm 32. This is the Word of God. Let's read. A Psalm of David, a masculine. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, 
in a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bits and bridles to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all who are upright in heart. This is God's word. Lord, bless the study of your word. Bless the hearing of your word. Bless the meditations of our hearts. May it work together for our good and your glory. May you energize us, O Lord, and help us to see what drains us deep down. We pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So what does you know, recharge your batteries? Chances are if you're among the more introverted and you just think physical energy and social energy, you want to get away a little bit and read a book and just be quiet, get some relief that way. If you're more of an extroverted person, you know, you get energized being around other people and you want to go to a party and you get drained when you're not with others. You know, if, if, if you're looking at other ways to recharge and re-energize, you know, to relieve pressure, you know, maybe you play some video games, uh, maybe you go for a walk, you get some exercise. There's many, many ways we try to recharge ourselves. Many other ways we, we, we try to find life and energy. And for religious people, for Christians, we, we will sometimes turn to church attendance, to reading the Bible, to praying, to giving, and, and look to those things and to all of those experiences, every one of us, to say, you know, I think this should be giving me more joy and more energy and more life, but for some reason... I'm not feeling as energized as I think I should be or as I want to be. And it could be, and I assume you all realize this, that going through the pandemic, we're all a little fatigued. We've been through trauma. We've been through not just through a pandemic, but all kinds of divisiveness and division of protesting and counter-protesting of just polarized politics all around us and within the church and all in our community, all kinds of division, all of that drains us. It could be that our diet needs some tweaking, we need more sleep, it could be we need more exercise to lose some weight, all those kind of things, right? It could be your physical health, it could be just fatigue. It could also be, and this is what I want you to consider and really think about today as we look at this psalm. It could be that no matter what else is going on in your life, no matter what you're plugging into and connecting to, good or bad, looking for energy and recharging your batteries, it could be that you have failure running in the background of your life. That it's in there doing who knows what. 
in the background. Because this passage here, Psalm 32 says that failure runs in the background of our lives and drains energy when you leave it there. It sucks life out of our souls when we leave failure running. If, if you have a smartphone and you have any of the Facebook apps, probably even TikTok, I don't have that personally, but I think it does the same thing. When you leave them running, you know, you're looking at it, you check your status or whatever, you know, and then you leave Instagram or whatever running in the background. Even if it's not up front, it's still doing all kinds of things in the background, right? Sending your personal information to every advertiser on the planet, right? Maybe even TikTok sending it to China or something, right? All that's going on in the background. You don't even know what's going on. Where is my information going? And they're all mad at Apple because Apple's locking down on what they do in the background, right? How they share your information. Well, those apps do that. And failure operates in the same way. That even if it's not up front in your life, right? If you're not looking right at it, it's still running in the background. And it is doing who knows what with all of your personal information. It is sucking the life out of you when you leave it back there. And it could be maybe fear of failure is just kind of running back there. You don't even think about it, but in the back of your mind, you're concerned that you shouldn't try this because it could go really horribly wrong. It could be the actual failures, the regrets that you have looking back on your past, draining your life. You look at verse 3. This is what he's basically saying, that when we leave that failure in the background and we don't address it, it drains our life. Verse 3, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, my, 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 my life. There's a word from uh, tree sap, from, from juice flowing through. You know, my juice was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. The, the sense there is not like you've got a fever. It's like just the dry devastating heat of a desert or maybe the oppressive heat of a humid Philadelphia. All right, just that life draining, energy sucking feeling. And that happens, he says, when you remain silent about your failure. We'll talk more about what failure means. What's happening, though, is that life is draining out of you. Those things are running in the background and it's back there. What failure does, it sits in the background and it's accusing you. It's sitting there saying you're a loser. It's threatening you, saying everyone's going to find out. It's bringing up all these nightmare scenarios, keeping you from doing things, trying new things, because, you know, remember how bad it was last time. Remember how they laughed at you or remember how you lost everything or remember that time when you were so embarrassed and it's just running back there, beating you down under the surface, draining your soul, doing who knows what with your personal information when you leave it back there. So what I want you to realize is that just like it's doing like a Facebook app or Instagram running in the background, draining your life, that you can take care of it in the same way you would take care of that app. It's on your phone, whether it's Android or, or iOS, Apple, iPhone. You know, you can bring those apps up to the front. You have the app switcher, or you swipe up a little bit, or double-click the home button, and you can see all the apps, right? And then you can do that thing where you, you swipe them up and close them. I know some people who are kind of obsessed with that periodically. They just go swipe up, close all their apps, right? 
there's something kind of cleansing about that. That you can kill that app without even removing it. You can, you can take away its power to drain your phone's battery. That's what God offers you in this psalm. To take away the power of failure in your life. To swipe up and get rid of it the same way you would close one of those apps. But the, to do that, the first thing you need to, to know is, is what failure looks like. To come to terms with failure, to remove it, we have to understand, first of all, what, 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 is, what does failure look like? The Bible speaks about failure, and I've been using that word, and you've probably figured out by now that I'm talking about three main things that we tend to put under the umbrella of sin. But these categories the Bible speaks of are more generally this. Number one, missing the mark. Falling short of, of the target or the goal. You know, you shoot the arrow and you don't quite make it. That's one category. The next category is crossing the line. Going too far. Trespassing. Going where you shouldn't have gone. Right? That is the second category. And then the third category is, is the hardest to understand, but it is the most impactful. And it is the area of twisting the standard or distorting what is good and calling it bad and calling what is bad good. This, this twisting the standard idea. You see, all three of these terms appear uh, in verses 1 and 2. We read, that it's bl how blessed, how, how much better for the person or he whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is stepping over the line. Whose sin is covered. Sin is missing the mark, falling short. How blessed, verse 2, is the man to whom the Lord does not impute or count or reckon or consider iniquity. Iniquity is that third category of twisting the standard. Now, these three terms, they all appear again in verse 5 of Psalm 32. And they appear throughout all the Old Testament, these Hebrew words behind them. And the ideas and concepts appear again in the New Testament. These three main categories of failure that harm you and that often, almost always, harm others as well. And in particular, that last category, uh, the, the biblical word of iniquity or the twisting of the standard is especially tied in the Scriptures to generational sin patterns. This, this is the one that is handed down from generation to generation where the parents' twisting and brokenness right, is passed on to their children and to their children's children to the third and fourth generation. It's part of the curse that that happens. This is why very often abusive parents have abusive children. Why addicted parents have addicted children. Why the sin patterns carry on. Why the brokenness is generational. This last category is especially that idea of carrying on, harming you and others for years to come. And so if you think about those three categories, I am confident if you give it enough time, you will find your own brokennesses in there. You will find your own failures in those categories. 
You've crossed the line and said something that as soon as it was out of your mouth, even as it's coming out, right, you realize it was wrong and hurtful, but you can't take it back. And even as that happens, right, what's going on in, inside of you as you hurt someone you love, more often than not, what? You start to, to put up a barrier. You start to feel this pull and pressure to avoid them. You start making excuses in your mind. Well, well they just made me so angry. If they would just, you know, do this, then I wouldn't lose my temper and I wouldn't say these things. And you try to find fault with the other person. And all within that is just this reality that we're, we're falling short of who we want to be when we cross the line. And, and we know it. You know, you, you fall short at work. You know, you don't get the project done or the task done when you said you would. And, and everyone on the team was there when you made the commitment. And now you're going to have to own that. And you dread going back and people recognizing that you failed. That you didn't follow through. And you battled with addiction of one form or another. And you just feel you've let your family down. You lied, you, you stole from them, you prioritized meeting your own broken needs over loving your family. And even when you got your act together, then you fail and you're tempted and pulled strongly to just give up and give in to failure because that's who you seem to be. This is the, this is the, this is the problem, right? This is, this is how failure is sucking the life out of you when it's running in the background. And it is running in the background of your life. Every one of us. Now, the Bible puts it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's always going to be the case. And so what do we do with it? Well, we have choices, right? The, the first choice that many of us, especially here in the United States, but even the Western world and throughout the world, right, we open a different app. You know, we don't want to deal with the failure app, so we put it in the background. You know, we open up the pleasure app, and we start binge-watching, right? Or we have a couple drinks, you know. We, we, we turn to some pleasure, uh, indulge some eat too much, whatever it is. Or, or maybe, maybe we open up the work app, and, and we start trying to prove that we're not a failure, achieving those goals and objectives proving everyone wrong. Or maybe we open up the status app and, and literally open up the status app as in posting something on social media that makes life look better than it is. That's one choice. All of those together, really. All rooted in the same choice, which is to, to not deal with our failure, but try to push it to the background. Just like that Facebook app, it's running back there. And so the other choice, the healthy choice, the better choice we see here is to bring that failure to the front. But what that means is that we're saying we're going to hurt. Because when you bring that to the front, it hurts so much. Deep down, none of us want to let other people down, do we? Deep down, we don't really want to hurt people. Deep down, we want to do what is right. And when we're confronted with the fact that we had things backwards and upside down, it hurts. We recognize that our failures have hurt other people. That hurts. And if you, if you say, I want to open up that failure app, I want to deal with it, I want to kill it, I want to swipe up on it, I want to get, remove it, it means you're going to have to first look at it. You're going to have to go there 
and it really hurts. Because what is happening is that failure is attacking the core of who you think you are, of who you want to be, and, and attacking like who you really are. All of that kind of heaping up on us, right? And if we just push it to the background, it's still going to eat away at our life in the background, doing who knows what with our information there. So if you, really, if you, if you want to deal with that, if you want to stop that drain, if you want to stop that life-sucking app running in the background, you have to get honest about failure. If you look at what he says in verse 2, he's speaking of honesty. At the end of verse 2, he says, it's better for, it's blessed for the one in whose spirit there is no deceit. What he's saying there is basically what? We've got to stop lying inside, right? When we push the failure app to the background and we try to divert our attention, try to get consumed with something else, improve our worth somewhere else, we're just hiding the truth, right? We're putting it under the rug. We're putting it in the background. We, we, we are not dealing with it. We are living a lie. Now, the world sees some of these in snippets and they call us hypocrites, right? This is how you avoid being a hypocrite. You deal with the failure. And we do that more often than the world gives us credit for, no doubt. And yet, we are tempted to deceive ourselves, to make excuses. But the Lord doesn't want that for us. He wants us to get rid of that failure. He wants us to have life abundantly. He wants us to thrive and have joy. And so actually what he does, David says here, is to put his hand upon us. Did you notice how he said that? I kept silent, verse 3, about my sin. My body wasted away through my groaning all day long, verse 4, day and night your hand was heavy upon me. The Lord so much wants you to deal with your failure, to confront it, to be honest about it, that He's going to make your life a little more miserable until you do. He sucks the life out of you from the background because you weren't made to bear failure. You were made for perfection. And so when you allow failure in your life, it's draining you, who you are, attacking the core of your being. And so He's very often going to apply some more pressure. Right? He's going to have someone come and confront you. And you know what? They usually come and confront you in ways that are not kind and loving with a lot of other stuff, right? But still behind that is some impulse of God driving it that we would not continue in our failure. Not impute or count iniquity. And whose spirit is no deceit. When you bring the failure to the front, you bring it to the front, then you can do what you need to do with it which is a, own it, acknowledge it. Look at what he says in verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. Acknowledge is, is a word for knowing. It's used just to say, I know this, I know that. Here, it's, it's phrased in a way that says, I made known to you. I acknowledged, I made known to you, God, my sin, how I fell short. My iniquity... My twistedness, I did not 
hide. I didn't cover it. I didn't conceal it. I said, I will confess my transgressions, how I crossed the line. I will confess to the Lord. The word there for confessing is again and again and again the explicit alternative to hiding what he says in the verse before the phrase before that. We don't hide, we confess. Those are the only two options, right? There's no middle ground. You're either hiding or you're confessing. The sense of confessing is to agree with. Uh, The idea in in the New Testament comes out with a Greek word that basically means uh, being one with. One mind or one word. That, That idea of reality. Integrity might be a word for it, of, of owning this. Proverbs 28, 13 puts it this way. He who conceals or hides his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Verse 5 in Psalm 32. What happens if you will acknowledge and confess and make known, not hiding how you fall short or how you cross the line or how you've twisted things. What happens if you do all that? It, you, it says you forgave the guilt of my sin. Forgiveness is, is, is a word that means to, to lift up, to carry, to take away. It's, it's, it's a great picture. In fact, the word for confessing comes from a word that means to throw or to cast. And so you put that confessing and you put the forgiving together and there's this image of, of throwing, throwing our failures Great picture on your phone of just swiping that app up, right? You're throwing your failure. You confess it. You own it. You look at it hard and you say, and you're throwing. Where are you throwing it? You're you're throwing it to God. God's standing there with his catching ministry. I'm ready. Whenever you want to throw it. Come on. Put it right in here. Put it in here. Take that sin. Take your failure. Throw that. Shoot it to God. You know, Lord, I crossed the line. And I said to my wife something I should not have said, and it hurt her profoundly. And name it explicitly. Lord, I really messed up at work. I didn't get the project done. I didn't get the task done. I'm so ashamed. I don't want to go back to to work, Lord. Lord, I twisted my standards all around and I gave in to this desire for something and it became an addiction that controlled my life and I lied and distorted my needs and my, uh, uh, to, to get my addiction fulfilled. And I, I wanted that more than you and more than my family and even more than life itself, Lord. Swipe it up. And we'll talk, Lord willing, next week about the harm that we've caused others. But first, we have to talk about taking our failure to God. Because you're never going to be able to do the other stuff. You're never going to be able to deal with other people in healthy ways, dealing with your own failure or their failure, unless you've got that failure with God down right. Unless you're regularly throwing those failures up to God himself, you're not going to be able to deal with other people. So what does that really look like in real life? I would encourage you... You know, sometime you're on your phone, look at that app switcher and be like, all right. Okay, that's what it looks like. So, Lord, and you either picture your sin, maybe you get a piece of paper out and you write down your failure, how you fell short, 
You write down where you cross the line. You write down how you've twisted things and, and got it upside down from the Lord's will. Write those things down maybe on a piece of paper and maybe you rip it up, shred it up. Take it somewhere. But you turn that into a prayer. You give that to God. And if you're going to do it well, really as you're doing that, you need to, to think through and address everyone that was involved. You know, maybe when you, when you cross the line and saying that bad thing to your spouse, the children were present. And so they heard that. And so as you're thinking about it, you capture that. Capture that failure. And as you're, as you're accounting for that failure, make no excuses. Avoid the if, but, maybe. All of those things have to go. And just admit specifically what you did. Own it. Acknowledge how it hurt other people. Acknowledge how it hurt God Himself. That the God of truth would have someone lying. That the God of love would have someone speaking hatefully. Acknowledge those hurts and accept the consequences. Commit to altering your behavior. And we'll talk more about this next week, Lord willing, but then you move forward in asking forgiveness from others. But first, making sure you do ask forgiveness of God. And what's going to happen? If you do this well, and if you begin this habit, and if you really grasp what God is offering here, you're going to realize that there is a joy and a relief that can come. That failure is running in the background. And you're probably not dealing with it and bringing it to the front because you really don't know what to do with it. And you're kind of afraid it's right, you know, that you really are a failure, that that is who you are. But when you, when you begin to deal with this really and truly, when you begin to own that, that failure, how you fell short, how you crossed the line, how you twisted things, and if you will, if you will swipe up and give that to God, you're going to recognize that that does not define you. That there is a hope and a future for you. Because ultimately what's going on is that failure is draining your energy in life because it is actually separating you from the God of life, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God who made you to be so much better and the God you're denying when you, when you say, I'm okay with falling short, I'm just going to bury it in the background. When you bring it up front and you deal with it, that God is even more present with you because really you're not swiping it up to Him. He's already come down. Because He has been with you this whole time and through this. Because Jesus Himself came down to be on your level. To take that sin that you could never throw that sin up to heaven yourself. But God Himself comes down and says, just, just drop it in my hands. Jesus says, I'm here. And in fact, I've gotten lower than you. Jesus says, I have done nothing wrong, but I am down here. And I will take whatever it is that you have failed. If you will put it in my hands... Jesus says, I will take it to the cross and I will deal with it forever and it will no longer define you. And more than that, I will give you of all of my goodness and all of the obedience that I lived out on this earth and for all time, Jesus says, I will give that to you. You will be looked at as perfect and right and good in the eyes of God and you will grow more and more into that and who God wants you to be. If you will bring that failure out, if you will confess that to the Lord, I think you'll find, and we'll dig this into this more next week, that obeying the last command here in verse 11, to be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout 
for joy, all you upright in heart. I think you'll find that more and more being a part of your life. I think you'll be able to then bring other people into that if that's where you already are, to point them to them so you can, you, you can be a part of this joy and this love, this hope and this forgiveness. You can tap into that power and the first thing you do is have to take away what's draining the energy from you. And so next week, that's where we're going to head. We're going to say, well, well, then how do we tap into the power? We'll deal with the energy drain, but then how do we get the power back? So come in next week, and we'll pick up right there. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do push that failure to the background. And your word calls that sin, transgression, iniquity, Lord, but it is, it is just that. It is failure. It's, it's a failure to be who you want us to be. A failure to do what you want us to do. It's a failure to stay within the boundaries and limits you've given to us. Lord, would you help us this week to bring that failure that happens even on a Sunday morning, to bring that failure that happens on a Wednesday night, to bring those failures into, into your presence, to open them up and just look at them. Lord, help us to address, to avoid excuses, to admit specifically, to acknowledge how we've hurt others, to accept the consequences, Lord, and to alter our behavior, asking you for forgiveness. Uh, we pray. You would meet us in this, in Jesus' name, amen.